The date was January 6th, my sophomore year of high school. And I can remember every detail leading up to the point that I cannot remember anything. Um, But I remember probably like most teens, I felt completely uncomfortable in my own skin. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I stood for. Um, But I really felt like I was completely alone in that feeling with a lot of thoughts like if the people around me really knew how I felt, they would turn and run the other way. Um, I just, I just wasn't feeling life, but I didn't share that with anybody. So earlier that school year, this new girl came to town and we are in a teeny tiny town. Um, everybody knows everybody. So it's like, everybody knows what you're doing before you're even doing it. And there's not a whole lot of options socially, but I was just, like I said, uncomfortable with myself. So I was uncomfortable in any social group. So this new girl comes in and, um, she had lived way more lives, way more of a life than I had at this point. I was 16. I had turned 16 in, in September the year before. So it was like 16 and a half ish. And, um, she was just ready to show me all the things and I was like her perfect customer because I was like silly putty in her warm hand. I mean, she could have molded me into anything she wanted to. I was completely malleable with no boundaries, um, nothing to stand for, just ready for whatever she was going to put me in. So the first time outside of school, um, she takes me to a friend's house and I put, I'm telling the story in a way that is like, this was my experience and my choice and I don't blame her for a single thing. I'm only telling my story and I take full responsibility for it. But we go to this house and we go to the basement and she had lined up for me to have a four pack of Jack Daniels down home punch And, um, I was clearly the only one there that had never had a drink in my life. And I was darn sure I was going to change that. And I remember taking that first drink and it was so nasty, so nasty. But, uh, you know, I was going to keep drinking it because everybody else was. And once I got done with the first little bottle it was like, I mean, I can feel it like it was yesterday. My whole body was just warm and my body that had felt wound so tight and that was full of tension in every single fiber of my bone just started to loosen up and feel warm and flowy and every worry that was in my head suddenly kind of started to disappear and even though my body felt heavier, my head felt so light. It was almost like it was a balloon detaching from my brain. And I was like, this feeling, I fell in love with that feeling on day one because it was a time where I was completely uninhibited. I wasn't completely overanalyzing everything. I felt like I was the life of the party. I had no worries. And... That was the feeling that I had been waiting for my entire life. I just didn't know it. And 
from that point on, I had a love-hate relationship with alcohol or have had a love-hate relationship with alcohol. Um, It has, you know, I haven't necessarily ever had what people would call a rock bottom, but there's certainly been many stories that did not end well that dealt with alcohol. And having addiction in my family has made me stop and analyze multiple times in my life what role alcohol should play in my life, Um, especially November through December and into January, because those are dark, historically, dark times for me. And they also coincide with the time where I tend to drink the most. And so um, I really don't think I help myself in that situation at all, in that turning to an alcohol when I'm already feeling a bit depressed is the exact opposite of what I should be doing. (laughs) So I started or I tried dry January last year and a friend that I had met met on Instagram, she said, hey, I heard you're going to do that. You should do the alcohol experiment. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And thank God she suggested it because if I hadn't had had that audible, the audio book of the alcohol experiment, I would not have been strong enough to stick with the experiment for the full 30 days. But really what I wanted to do is I just wanted to become more mindful of my drinking. Um, There were so many days where I would have a glass or two of wine and I really didn't even feel like it, but it was just habit and it was just there. Or I was bored and so I just did it and I didn't like how I was feeling and I was really like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And so doing the alcohol experiment was one of the coolest things I have done in my adult life because it really helped me become mindful of of my relationship with alcohol and it has shifted it um, to where... I don't need it and it has caused me to pause and reflect on some of my subconscious beliefs that I didn't realize before to kind of say hey those aren't those aren't true <laughs> or that excuse isn't valid um so you need to own your part of the story and so that's really I mean when So last year when I did it, I felt so good and I continued it into February, dry January or not drinking, taking a break from alcohol and through like about half of March, right up, like I, I had my first drink then right around when the whole lockdown thing started last year and, um, and I really enjoyed it. And so I'm excited to do this again. And when I say excited, I also get a little nervous because especially when I'm doing it on a public platform such as this, because my first thought is, oh my gosh, I don't want to fail. I don't want to let other people down. But the whole philosophy behind it is um, you just wake up and you listen to the audio and you decide that you're not going to have a drink that day. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, but I know I'm not going to drink today. And honestly, having that decision made for me right away first thing in the morning feels so good because sometimes I sit there and like four and five and six (laughs) o'clock, sometimes they're just like looming hours where I'm like, what do I do with myself? Or 
um, I just feel meh or it's, it's just yucky kind of a time. And so those are times of the day where I'm usually like, "Mm, should I, should I go see my husband? Should I go have a drink with him? Should I, what should I do? What am I going to do tonight? Am I going to drink? Am I going to not drink? And then I get it like all over in my head having this silly conversation. So and then the thing with decision making, if you don't know this, I think learning this is super empowering. Decision making is something that fatigues in us. It is like a muscle in our body, only it's in our brain. And so the same thing with like if you had a 10 pound weight in your um, in your hand and you were doing bicep curls, um, it may seem like the first five are easy and then the 10 get a little harder and 15 is like, ooh, my arm's shaking a little bit. And maybe by the time you get to like 25 or 30, you're like, I can't do this. I can't do it anymore. I need a break. I'm maxed out. You hit your max. Your brain, your decision making is the exact same way. You can only have the cognitive load to make so many decisions in in a day before you max out. And so knowing that has helped me so much, especially when um, the kids and I were home this whole time this last year, because I was like, it helps you not take it personally when you're like crashing at towards the end of the day. Or if you've ever tried to do a diet and you're like, I've done so well all day and then at night I just can't handle it. Well, that's like the science behind meal prepping is if your decisions decisions are already made for you, then there's... It, it takes that out of consideration and off your plate because that's at the end of the day, you don't want to be making any hard decisions because you're, you're hitting your max, especially if you are super busy. So, um, so knowing that at the beginning of the day takes all that mind game and that over consumption, um, that over obsession of, the decision making, it just like wipes it off the table. And I love that. And I love the no pressure of like, however long I'm going to do it. I just know I'm not going to do it today. I'm like, oh, today's totally doable. And the other thing is I find more times than not, I stock up on my like fun drinks (laughs) that are non-alcoholic and I end up liking those. And it's just more the routine and the habit of having something that feels a little special and I ended up liking that just as much. Um, and especially once you dig in, once I dig into the stories of of my relationship or my, my subconscious thoughts with alcohol. But so I'm going to reach, um, I'm going to dig just a little bit into some of the beliefs that, um, that line up with me with alcohol that I had thought before this and that still show up, but I know better now and um, go through what she talks about in the book about how to combat them and the whole, the whole point of it. Her book lines up exactly with, if, um, with this whole podcast and what rewriting the narrative is. So if you, if this is your first time listening, first of all, thanks. Hey, uh, thanks for showing up. I would strongly suggest listening to episode one and episode two so you understand what the anchors are about and the science behind this whole podcast. Once you understand that, I think there's there's much more buy-in and you're much more likely to practice things rather than um, just be like, oh, I connect with what she's saying. 
I great that you connect with what I'm saying, but I want you to take that connection another level and, and turn it into action. So she talks a lot in the book about cognitive dissonance. And that's exactly what we're talking about when we are rewriting the narrative is we may have new goals and new beliefs, but when those are totally different than what our subconscious beliefs are, they're in conflict with each other and you, you may not even know it. And when you're trying to fight those, those subconscious beliefs are so old and so routine and so rote and automatic that um, they're really, really hard to to win or to overpower unless you know them and know how to re- to rewrite them and flip them. So she does, and that's why we have the anchors that we do, okay? That is the science behind our anchors and why we want to use them as mantras to come home to and come back to is um, to combat that negative mean girl inside us or the negative inner voice um, or whatever you want to call her, the enemy that lives inside you, that sort of thing. So she uses an acronym called ACT and she uses it um, as step one is awareness, two is clarity, and three is the turnaround. And step one is awareness. So in other words, it is making the subconscious thoughts and beliefs that you have, making them, um, making you aware of them. What are they and what messages do they tell you? Step two, the clarity is how does it make me feel and how does it make me behave? Because a lot of those subconscious beliefs that we have, number one, they're not true. And number two, they're not self-serving. In other words, um, they're not only not self-serving, they're usually self-sabotaging. They're limiting us. They're telling us to play small. They're telling us to live in fear. So they're holding us back. Then step three is the turnaround. And that is letting go of the belief. Okay. It is finding ways that the opposite is true and um, understanding like, is this belief serving me or is it time to lose it? So she really encourages you to Find ways the opposite is true, and I'll go through this in a couple examples. And even better, find ways that the opposite is stronger, okay? So that you focus on the opposite, like the turnaround or the flip, instead of the negative belief that you want to get rid of. Because our brains work so much better when we're able to focus on the positive. And if you listen to an earlier episode, it goes a lot with... um, the psychological strategy of replacement with incompatible strategies is um, if you're focusing on that positive shift, then you don't have room and you can't have that negative existing at the same time. It's, um, it's cool. <laughs> it works. It totally works. Um, but that doesn't mean it's easy. So some of the subconscious beliefs that I would say may be uh, maybe kind of popular. I don't know. I don't think I'm the only one that thinks them. And she goes through a ton of them in the book. And I listen to it on Audible just because it's just more realistic for me to get the reading done each day if I'm able to listen to it while I'm getting ready or in the car or that sort of thing. Um, but like the first, one of the first subconscious beliefs, and I still, I still like kind of struggle with this one would be that I'm not fun unless I drink. And I thought this hardcore for a long time. Like, I mean, 
and most people probably can say this in college, there was like no question on if you were going to drink. It was just like when and where you were going to pregame and how long you were going to drink and um, before you became a hot mess. <laughs> and and uh, that's the end of that story. But so for this, she would say the A is the acknowledging awareness. Okay, like I feel like I'm not fun unless I drink. Then the clarity is, how does this make me feel and behave? Well, um, that's that's not a very positive thought, right? And that really probably is rooted in uh, a lack of self-worth. And so the turnaround of that is letting go of that belief and by finding ways that the opposite is true. And so if I stop and think about it, or if I was going to journal, which she highly suggests, I would list all the ways that I am super fun. Hello. Um, Even when I'm not drinking. So for that, I may come up with different stories or different experiences or different times where I've had a lot of fun and alcohol wasn't even involved. Um, Another one that has held me back in the past, I have used the excuse or the subconscious belief that if I was going to stop drinking, it would create distance or tension in my marriage if I didn't drink because my husband drinks. Um, And I've also used my friends for the same thing. Like it's part of the reason we get together. My friends expect me to drink or having a drink or two helps me handle life. Um, another one, motherhood and wine go together. Hello, have you looked at all the um, branding going on out on social media with motherhood and wine? It's like they're synonymous anymore. Another reason or a subconscious belief was I'm bored or I love the taste or it's just part of going out. My partner and I have a better experience between the sheets, wink, wink, with alcohol or having a drink helps me sleep. <coughs> Excuse me. So what she does in the book is she goes through each of those and encourages you to come up with different ways where all those are not true and kind of work that through your brain to like rewire your brain in that new pattern of thinking that is positive and that really helps to give you the amp and the oomph and the push Um, and the psychology, the positive psychology behind it, the science behind it to debunk a lot of those things. And quite honestly, like last year when I did this, I told my husband I was going to do it. And I was so scared to even tell him. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Go ahead. And then his big concern is he's like, you're not going to want me to do this too, are you? I'm like, no. Um. So, and honestly, like, I was like, you're not going to pressure me or bully me or make me feel bad or nope. Never once. In fact, I think he probably liked it because we had a driver anywhere we went. If we went anywhere, you know, um, my parent, my, my friends were super supportive. I went to two concerts without alcohol for the first time in my adult life. I was really worried about how that was going to go and if I would even have fun. And I had a great time and I woke up feeling good. Um, a lot of the science that they talk about with I love the taste if you think about the first time you drank alcohol or certain different kinds of alcohol it's you really have talked yourself into liking the taste and even now like I'll have my first couple sips of red wine and I'm like (laughs) making some weird noises and I keep drinking it like why um and, and she really just talks about how a lot of times our taste buds are there to keep us safe. And alcohol is a type of gas. I mean, like, 
it's just watered down by sugars and other things that make it taste good. So it's probably your body trying to say, hey, you probably shouldn't be drinking this. I don't think it's safe for you. You know what I mean? So that, uh, all of that and having a drink help me sleep. It may help you fall asleep, but it interrupts your whole REM cycle. And that's why you wake up. You may have slept, but you didn't go into a deep sleep and your sleep pattern wasn't beneficial for you or serving you. So knowing all that really helps me through the 30 days and really helps me just really take a step back and, and think, think about is this really like what role do I want alcohol to serve in my life? Because honestly, I mean, I don't know. I would assume that I will probably have drinks um, come February or March or April or December. But I just think the pause to stop and think and to make habits that we don't think about to stop and think like, are they serving us? Or is this something that really doesn't align with our values or who we are anymore? Have we outgrown it? And that um, it's super helpful for me. The last thing I need to be drinking right now is a depressant during a season that is historically a struggle for me, you know? So that is good in and of itself. Um, I've also admitted that I'm struggling with some health things. So I need all the cards um, in my favor and putting alcohol in my body probably isn't the best thing right now when I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with how I'm feeling. And, um, the other part is it's just, um, (laughs) it's just totally made me forget what I was going to say. Good thing we're friends. So no, I, I don't know where it'll go for me and that's totally okay. I used, I come from, a mindset before where I had to know I was going all the time and I don't um this is just a good way for me to investigate and it's not like I'm saying like everybody should never drink I'm not saying that at all it's just um stop and think and and what do you want to do in this past year I have made a a switch to like break up with diet culture forever and I used to tell myself that I would work out because I wanted to like have the energy for my kids and honestly that was a total lie. Um, I just had had this obsession with chasing thinness like I've talked about before for so long and in my distorted thinking I had associated thinness and health together and this past year I have just made it my mission to focus more on my health and well-being more on the inside than what it looks like because when I was my thinnest I just I was probably my unhealthiest so this is just taking it another level by looking at um, what role alcohol is playing in my life right now and kind of deep diving into that. And then after this pause, we'll see. I don't know. So if you want to join, um, you can go to, just go ahead and Google alcohol experiment. And it's cool because when you sign up, you can do a 30 day, um, you can do the 30 day challenge and you can do it at any time. Challenge has a negative connotation. Experiment is just, I like that word better because it sounds more fun, more sciencey. 
<laughs> um, you can go do that. You can do download the book the, on Audible called The Alcohol Experiment. And if you're doing it, I would love to hear because I've already heard from a couple ladies that are doing it and it's kind of cool to do it and go through it together. I think that's really empowering. Um, so if you start it, let me know. Our anchor verse is from Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. And it says, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And I think that's awesome because I don't know about you guys, but I'm just feeling a little beat, a little exhausted physically and emotionally and mentally. And so I would encourage you to try to set aside some time either in the early morning or before bed, or ideally both, to check in and see how you're feeling and to connect with Jesus. To close your eyes and tell him how you're feeling. Tell him what you need. Um, Tell him where you're struggling. Tell him where your victories are. Because he is listening all the time, just waiting for you to communicate And he already knows, but he wants to hear from us. It's like that relationship that you have with your spouse or your best friend. A lot of times they know what's going on, but you need to communicate it to reinforce it and to strengthen that relationship. So he's just hanging out like a creeper in the bushes waiting to hear from you. (laughs) Go ahead and talk to him. Um, Lean on him when you need to. Talk to him about your struggles and talk to him about your wins and... And envision that and say that verse over and over and place it somewhere so that you can remind yourself awesome to respond to his invitation to rest. Um, I want to make sure, I think it's easy to be confused about what my message is because I want us all to be at our best, but I don't want that to come through this feeling of pressure from outward society. I think our best is when we break up with all of that and we become in love with ourselves fully and we just let go. We let down our guard and we become we come home to ourselves and we accept his grace and his mercy and his love and we fall in love with ourselves probably for the first time. That's how I think we can be our best. That's how I'm working to be my best. Um, I didn't realize before it takes work, but it does. But I think it's the best work we can do. So for our anchor statement, I have a little challenge that I would like you to do along with it. Because I don't want you to just listen to this and then not do anything. That would make me sad. So our anchor statement is... One, two, three, four, five, five words, okay? And I, wa- I want you to do something with it. Each day, I want you to find a time to do 10 slow breaths in through your nose and making your belly expand and then out through your mouth. And while you're breathing in, I want you to whisper to yourself, I love you, either out loud or in your head. And when you're breathing out, I want you to tell yourself that you're listening. And this can be a time where you can just check in with yourself. You may lose it. You may cry. You may crumble. 
You may be empowered. You might get goosebumps because you feel so good. But we need to make time to be quiet and slow down and check in with ourselves to see what we need. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear I love you. And I need to hear it not only from my people, but from myself. And um, before I started meditating, I never told myself that. So be there for yourself, okay? When you show up for yourself, you're able to show up for everybody else. And, And you're able to rock your life. So your anchor statement, I love you, I'm listening. Say that to yourself with 10 slow breaths in, 10 slow breaths out. In through your nose, out through your mouth, go to a place that's quiet. I don't care. I do it in my car at the, at the after school pickup. Um, I don't care if I look weird. I already know I do. So find your time, make time to do that, and then tell me about it, okay? The last thing, I have to say thank you so much. Social media has not been my best friend. I have a love-hate relationship with that and alcohol. If you haven't noticed, I kind of am wired. Uh, My predisposition is to be all or nothing. So that is something I'm rewiring and working on in myself internally. But um, I deleted my Facebook app because it was just a toxic place for me to be. And I put my timer back on Instagram. So I'm not able to share the new podcasts I'm doing, but it's super cool to hear and see that you guys are still listening. And it's super cool to see you guys share with people, women that you love. Um, and then you share that feedback with me. Um, that is a great way you can help. Please continue to listen. Please continue to share. It makes me so happy. Like I'm, I'm cheese ball smiling. Another way you can help support me is to rate the podcast or to write a review um, that really helps with exposure of the podcast and although I I'm good enough happy enough content enough with just one person hearing this um, it's still cool to to be able to connect with with more women you know so keep sharing share um, give me a rating give me a review if it's nice <laughs> I'm too fragile right now to hear anything negative. So if you don't like it, just just don't listen anymore. But I love you all. Thank you so much. Do your anchors and do them in ways that you are doing a little bit of meditation in the day. And tell me about it. I want to hear it. Um, Sending you light and love and peace. Make it a great week. Do the work to make it good. Love you, ladies.